Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Now, we hear more and more about the importance of our gut health and everybody's a gut expert these days. But now I'm going to talk to a real expert. He's been researching this for years and he really thinks that the gut is central to nearly all aspects of our health. And I think some of what he has to say about what we're told about a healthy lifestyle would probably surprise you. Tim Spector, author and professor of genetic epidemiology at King's College London. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Tim, before we get down to detail, as a geneticist and as an epidemiologist, how did you end up coming to focus on the gut? Um, for 30 years, I've been studying twins, and uh, we have the biggest twin collection, really, of adults in the UK, about 15,000 twins. And I was always interested in nature v. nurture and why identical twins um, – increasingly, I got interested in why identical twins often ended up being quite different – you know, they'd lived together for half their life and had identical genes, their clones. So why would they end up one with the disease and the other not? And it turned out that the only thing I could find in my 30 years that was really different about identical twins were the microbes in their gut, what we call the microbiome, the community of microbes. And so that, to me, uh, suddenly a little bell went off in my head and said, oh, maybe that explains why we've got so much of our dietary advice wrong and exact, you know, and why we've been giving people the wrong advice for the last 30 years uh, and why we're all getting fatter and more, more ill and more diabetes. And, and so, it, you know, that really was the, the spur. It was the, this idea that we're all, we all have very different gut microbes and, there must be a reason for this and that I then did more research and found out how important the gut microbiome is for the whole of our body and our health. What's the wrong advice we've been giving people for years? Well, we've been thinking of food as fuel, really, for, you know, treating our, our intestines like as just a furnace. And we've been obsessed with calories and we've been obsessed with fats are bad and sugars are bad and we've sort of ignored the quality of food and we've ignored the fact that for our bodies to work well we have to nourish our gut microbes and that means a completely different approach to nutrition than is given out today uh, which is as I said obsessed with these macronutrients and obsessed with calories and totally ignores the quality of food totally ignores um, the diversity of food and the things that our gut microbes really need to um, flourish. And, and, you know, this comes down to, you know, my five basic points, which are um, try to eat a diverse range of plants every day and every week and people should strive to get 30 different plants in their diet so forget the five a day nonsense which doesn't work um it's about a greater variety of of, of foods and plants and remember a plant is you know it's a nut it's a seed it's a herb it's a spice as well so it's and not you, as hard you as even sound. include coffee don't you as a as a plant 
I do, yes. Uh, it, it, once you get down this road, you suddenly start thinking of food in a very different way. And, um, you know, and this is all detailed in my book, Food for Life, where, you know, people can go and get the, the fine detail on all the yeah. foods. But, but yeah, there's some surprising ones in there um, of what you call a plant. And uh, it turns out that, that coffee is a, it's a fermented bean that actually has fantastic health properties and is really a health food and is definitely one of your uh, 30 a week as uh, you know and as are you know nuts and seeds and even a spice mix you know just putting a sort of curry mix on your food is is a real boost to its diversity and will feed lots of different microbes in your gut because ultimately that's this this idea of these 30 is is to get you more species um and you know there's this particular bug called lawsonobacter that loves coffee and there's not you know no other bug really loves coffee like this guy and so you drink coffee and you'll have plenty of this bacteria which then like all the other ones is they're like these magical pharmacies that produce incredibly healthy chemicals for the rest of your body so if you feed them right, they will produce all these healthy chemicals which go on and help your brain, your heart, your immune system, your your, your metabolism, um, all these things that okay. we haven't really up to now factored in. So so be, be, there's a couple of things now I just want to go back to before we continue on with the other things we can do for our gut. Um the, the first one is calorie counting because people will be taken aback by that because I guess we have we've come to uh, uh, the conclusion that you know it's about calories in calories out is how we maintain a healthy weight and keep healthy and all that kind of thing but you're saying all that is wrong I'm saying calorie counting is rubbish um, for the vast majority of people it's uh, it's virtually impossible to do and when you do go on a calorie restricted diet um, you will lose weight for a few weeks but your body is programmed to fight it and reduces your energy expenditure you know the energy you're putting out slowly reduces it also massively increases your appetite every week you're restricting yourself so it just makes it harder and harder to do that and that's why virtually everyone who goes on uh, these these diets long term fails and often bounces back the other side. The other reason I hate calories is um, is that they are a camouflage for the food companies to disguise the poor quality of food and not talk about actual the ingredients. So we should be counting chemicals, not calories. Okay, so in other words, five hundred calories of of junk food is not equivalent to 500 calories of, of, uh, of healthier unprocessed food, I guess. Absolutely. And they've now the scientific studies where they've given people for two weeks, identical calorie diets of matched foods, one made at home, one made, you know, processed in a factory. And the differences are enormous. The group eating the ultra processed food will overeat by about 500 calories. They'll be eating much more. It makes you hungrier, makes you more tired, has effects that are completely uh, different to just the calorie count. So this is one reason that, you know, we, we should be really treating uh, ultra-processed food, which, you know, is made 
not from whole ingredients. It's made from extracts of others. It's got, you know, 10 or 20 different chemicals that are bad for us in a really, uh, we should be penalizing them at the moment we're subsidizing them and that this is the this is the bad state of our of our nation okay so eat real food the other thing i wanted to ask you before we went on is you talked in a kind of in abstract terms there about uh, the gut microbiome and getting good bacteria and everything can you tell me in in the in the practical ways that people will notice how good gut health works out in things like our physical health and and our mental health and all that Yes, yeah, so we, we generally measure gut health with like two parameters. One is how many different species you've got, the diversity of your gut microbes, uh, because the greater variety, the better. And we've already lost about half of our species in the last um, uh, hundred years uh, compared to our ancestors. And the other way is to look at the ratio of good to bad bugs. So good bugs that keep you thin, healthy, um, reduce your inflammation, and the other ones that are pro-inflammatory and sort of cause stress on the body. And um, if you've got really healthy, good good bugs, you are going to have less of pretty much all uh, our common diseases. You're going to have, uh, when you look at our data, uh, you, you're going to get less depression. You're going to get... Uh, less allergies, particularly food allergies, uh, asthma. You're going to get um, less food intolerances, irritable bowel syndrome, bloating, constipation. And you're, you're probably going to have better weight control as well. And, you know, these, you know, they're also important for, um, really crucial for our immune system and reducing the rate at which you age. So they probably also involved in cancer because our immune system is key to picking up early cancers and destroying them. So we're realizing that, you know, it's like a, a crucial organ in our body that we didn't know existed 10 years ago and suddenly we've found it and we've really got to make sure that we treat it right. We've talked about uh, a, a diversity of a diet and uh, you were going to go on and give your other kind of key principles. Fermented food is something we hear about a lot and I think a lot of people get a bit scared by it or get a bit turned off by it and they think of, you know, things starting with K, the kimchi, the the kefir, the kombucha and it, it does kind of put people off the idea of fermented food. Um, yeah, well, they shouldn't be frightened by it. Um, it's People are often frightened either by the price or the fact that it's going to go mouldy. But, you know, you can do all this stuff at home and it's really cheap to do and easy. And once you've done a few, you get used to, to knowing, you know, how to ferment it pretty easily. Um, I think people don't realize the full range of fermented foods because, you know, it disappeared about 100 years from our cultures, um, you know, in Britain and Ireland. Uh, everyone used to ferment before refrigerators. Um, it was that everyone used to know how to preserve uh, milk by fermenting it. Um, and then, it, you know, it would stay uh stable for much longer obviously cheese is a fermented food so people are usually not frightened by cheese so getting real artisan cheese ideally unpasteurized cheeses and some great ones in ireland that people should be trying um yogurt you know is is out there um a lot of it is you know kids yogurt is to be avoided because it's full of chemicals and sugar um 
But if you get the pure one, the full fat one, that's really good for you. Okay. And, and, and a lot of yogurts now say live on them. Is that what we should be looking for, a live yogurt? Any, any yogurt worth its salt should be live. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's to be real yogurt, it has to be. Um, if it's obviously one of those ones that, you know, has a shelf life of a month, then you're a bit suspicious. All right. Um, but basically ones without that, that aren't tampered with, that have got full fat, they've got no, no vanilla, they've got no sugar, they've got no fruit. That's the one you want. Um, and, and just pick a good one. And the kefir is what people are frightened of. It's, you know, it's increasingly common now. It wasn't five years ago. This is just like a dilute, but, um, microbial, there's like five times more microbes in uh, kefir than there are yogurt. So it's like a super yogurt and you don't need as much of it. So um, you can buy it and just have a small shot every day. And it's very easy to make. You just get some granules from the internet, add it to a, a pint of milk, leave it for two days, and then you've got kefir. And you can just keep pouring it from one into another. It's really easy. Okay. And the other thing people, sauerkraut is another one. And uh, that's just fermented cabbage and kimchi is the, the, the Asian version of that where you add a bit of chilies and garlic. And it's really, really, that's probably, that's a real superfood because it's, you know, it contains live microbes, but it's also got the vegetables and plants to increase your diversity. And then finally, kombuchas, um, you know, you can find these in a lot of pubs now as a sort of alternative to beer. And um, it, initially, it's a bit of a sour taste, but um, you get used to it and you can also mix it and dilute it. And there's lots of different types. So I would just tell people to get out there and experiment. There's nothing worrying about them. Um, they're all they're all very safe. And, um, you know, it's an increasing market. And you've also got all the Japanese foods as well. Uh, anything with miso soup in it, that's that's also live microbes. So on, um, on yogurt and cheese it. and stuff like that, I suppose a lot of people might think that dairy and lactose and that is not gut friendly, don't they? Most people in Ireland uh, will have the mutation that allows them to break down lactose. So um, people from Africa and Asia often don't have it, but um, most Irish people have lived with um, milk for, you know, uh, centuries and developed uh, thousands of years and actually developed ways to break it down. But there is a few percent of people that don't that react to lactose and you can then go for uh, water kefirs or fruit kefirs, which you can buy as well. Do you um, think lactose so, intolerance and people who say that they don't handle gluten well and all that, is that all a bit overstated, maybe? Yes, we, we think about uh, 10 times as many people think they have uh, gluten problems than really do when they're tested. <laughs> okay. So it's definitely overstated. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but uh, there's a, you know, there's a, when everyone has any gut problems, they always like to blame one thing rather than actually blaming the whole diet. Um, you know, so this is extremely common. And when people get tested, you know, by giving them blind gluten in pastas and things, most people are, are fine on it. So it's usually something else in their diet that's upsetting them. And a similar thing is happening with lactose intolerance. Often it's something else that they're reacting to or they've just got a very sensitive uh, gut uh, that they need to sort out by 
these more general approaches to food, more holistic approach, rather than always being reductionist and blaming one thing in their diet, which is, you know, the easy solution. And that's what many companies sell to them as well. So, you know, the single pill, the, the single solution, the single exclusion diet, yeah. these, and they might help for a few weeks, but ultimately they're really bad for you because they're reducing what you're eating, reducing the pleasure in food and uh, causing people problems. Uh, Tim, you, you mentioned kombucha uh, being available instead of beer in pubs, which does bring us to beer. I often feel like a night on the beer, it's like a nuclear bomb on your uh, on your microbiome, I often think. Is there any way of drinking that's kind of uh, okay with the gut or healthy for the gut? Well, we did a study on this a few years ago and looked at about 4,000 people looked at their drinking habits and their their gut health. And it turns out that most alcohol is not good for your gut, unfortunately. Okay. Um, we you didn't you got nothing for me here, no? Well, we, uh, I, I didn't have enough people drinking Guinness to know if it, <laughs> if it is good for your gut. But um, we did find out that one glass of red wine is actually good for your gut. Okay. So drinking red wine, because it's uh, got uh, basically grape skins in it, has these defense chemicals called polyphenols, which are actually healthy. The other thing is artisan cider. I don't know how much that is getting big in in in, uh, in Ireland now, but um, the really good stuff that contains real bits of apple uh, also has these uh, plant chemicals, which microbes love. So a small amount of cider, a small amount of red wine is good for your gut. Everything else at the moment I can't recommend, sadly. I was talking to Jamie Oliver uh, recently and uh, he was adamant that frozen veg just as good as fresh veg in most cases and sometimes even even better because eating 30 plants a week is a tall order for people, I think. But if you could include frozen veg in that, it's probably helpful. Well, absolutely. In my book, I go into this in great detail and um, he He's, yeah, ab- absolutely agree with Jamie that virtually all frozen foods are are as good and sometimes better than the fresh um, equivalent. So absolutely no reason why you can't, you know, all year round uh, have vegetables on your plate. Um, other thing is also canned ones are also really good. Really? So um, canned legumes, beans, uh, you know, there are, at least a dozen types of bean you can have all of them contribute to your your um, 30 a week um, canned tomatoes have actually greater amounts of uh, nutrients than fresh tomatoes uh, in in many cases so um, the idea that you have to spend a lot of money to get this diversity really is is not there and you mentioned fruits as well so um, frozen berries out of season you know, whether it's raspberries or or uh, blueberries, um, they're really good as well. They've got still got the fiber, still got these polyphenols, these nutrients. They're they're really good for you. So you don't have to spend a lot of money. It doesn't always have to be fresh. Okay. Uh, and some of these things are quite surprising. You know, and I didn't know all this before I did my research for my book. But it's um, it, you know, that's that's why we've just been. And yes, another reason why we're so misled about food and we really need to re-educate ourselves. Okay, Professor Tim Spector, thank you very much. And Tim's latest book is called Food for Life. Thanks, Tim.
My pleasure.